1 Corinthians chapter 1, 22 to 24. We continue to prepare ourselves for corporate proclamation of the gospel at the table of the Lord by a devotional series on the person of Christ incarnate and his work of redemption. Today we consider the familiar communication of Paul to the local church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 1, 22 to 24. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, Unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Father, this morning, as we seek to be clean, prepared, enthusiastic participants in proclaiming the truth of the gospel at the table of our Lord, we ask that once again this scripture portion would be used by thy spirit to work in our, our minds clarity to cause our hearts to be stable and our lives purposeful with good resolve as we think upon the blessedness of the gospel of Christ and the great work that you have done in our individual lives in preparing us to receive it. We thank you, we praise you once again in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake, amen. Many things have been said about these dynamic verses, and there is much to say of grave importance and eternal value concerning the thrust and the logic of the dear apostle in this particular text. In the broader context of the verses read, Paul is dealing with the schism or division in the local church at Corinth. In verses 118 through 2, chapter 2, verse 5, Paul addresses a serious contrast between the foolishness of men that they think is truly wise and the wisdom of God that they think is truly foolish. And once again, we are inclined, prompted by the Spirit of God, not to think as they do, but to think as we do, as the people of God with an open Bible. Men are empty, but often think themselves full. God is full and men often think him to be empty. It is a great problem. It is a great problem with eternal ramifications. Our select verses 
focus upon the preaching of Christ crucified in the light of the contrast between the theology and reality from God and the fantasy that is commonly held among men. The fantasy that people are in themselves wise in contrast to the reality, the theological reality, that God is most wise. And so we come to these verses familiar in 1 Corinthians 1 to speak again about people's passions, to speak about the task of preaching, and to speak about the believer's peculiarity. Compelling passions are referenced in verse 22 as they set in the world in which Paul lived in writing to Corinth. Christ crucified as the preaching theme is brought to bear at verse 23, and that is followed by, in verse 24, the Christian's peculiarity. Let's review those verses just quickly along that little bit of an outline. First of all, note the compelling passions in this world. Paul says that the Jewish people of his day characteristically craved, begged, and called for tangible affirmation of truth from God by means of signs, by means of miracles, by means of physical manifestations in proof. Paul says that the Jewish people of the first century were show-me people, just like we associate here in America with the residents of the great state of Missouri, the show-me state. Paul says that the Jews of the first century, uh, the Jews that were a part of of uh, the city of Corinth were show-me people. They wanted proof in tangible sight of, uh, of anything that was said to be uh, from God. And so verse 22 begins, for the Jews, as a matter of fact, require a sign. They require proof. They require something tangible, as it were, as an affirmation that what's being said indeed is from God. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 22, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. In contrast to the compelling passion characteristic of the Jewish people is the compelling passions of the Greeks or the Gentiles. The Greeks, of course, were the originators of the modern educational system that has been embraced from head to toe here in these United States of America. The Greeks were the originators of that educational system. And their characteristic as a people group was passion for robust acumen 
passion for robust academics. The Greeks deliberately promoted all facets of academic pursuit and the compilation of empirical scientific knowledge. If you ask any Greek what was the solution to mankind's problem, he would say education. And the, and the thing that the Greek would say was the solution for any problem that man faced was indeed more education. More education, more education. So in the contrast between the Jews of the first century and the Greeks of the first century, you had a group of people that were all about tangible affirmation of the truth. And then you had another group that was all, all about the robust pursuit of acumen and academics. The question that we need to ask as we leave verse 22 is this. How were such people as those named Jews and Greeks? Verse 22. How were those people generally responding to the preaching of the gospel? How were they responding particularly to the truth of Christ crucified for man's sin? And the answer to our question, of course, is found in verse 23. But we, says Paul, preach Christ crucified. The preaching of Christ or Messiah as crucified for our sins was a point of stumbling for the Jewish people. Why? Well, such a Christ or such a Messiah as one put to death as one crucified, did not meet up to their kingly expectations of a ruling and reigning Messiah. Jewish people of the first century were naturally predisposed against the truth of a crucified Messiah. Some did. And some do trust in Jesus as the Christ, as presented in the gospel message of the New Testament. But most Jewish people did, and most Jewish people still do, stumble over such a Christ. Happy, happy, happy to talk to you about the Messiah, to talk to you about the anointed one of promise without any reference to this idea of death and crucifixion. All about the glory, not about the suffering. They selectively choose the passages of the scripture that they prefer. 
the preaching of Christ crucified to the ears of the Greeks robustly in pursuit of academic achievement and acumen sounded then as it still sounds to the educated man in our world today as a bunch of sentimental nonsense. The message of the gospel deemed foolishness at the academy. The message of the gospel is deemed foolishness at the institutions of higher learning around the world then and now. Preaching Christ crucified is, in the minds of many educators, nothing but a crutch for ignorant people like me and you. And so to belong to a local church that centers its ministry around the message of Christ crucified is pretty humanly stupid. Unless, of course, it's true. And, of course, that brings us to verse 24. And the peculiarity of God's people. But unto them which are called. Both Jews and Greeks. Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. While preaching the gospel causes many Jewish folk to stumble and many educated folk to dismiss it, to us who are called of God unto salvation, this truth that Christ Jesus died for our sins is known and cherished to be the power of God tangibly revealed and the wisdom of God endearingly demonstrated. There is nothing lacking in the tangible evidence concerning the actual death of Jesus Christ and his glorious resurrection on the third day. It is tangible. And Christ is alive this moment in the flesh, ascended to the right hand of glory, our Lord evermore. Nothing lacking as to its tangibility. No dear Jewish person ought to stumble, although they still do. No person really interested in the accumulation and mastery of truth should miss out on the reality of Christ made 
according to this very same chapter at the end, made unto us to be a reflection of the superior wisdom of Almighty God and the manifestation of God's own love. The peculiarity of true Christians is that they see in Christ crucified the best of tangible affirmation in truth from God, and they see in Christ the robust acumen of God's own wisdom without compare. This is not something that God allowed man to concoct on his own. This is what God planned in eternity past for the salvation of man. And by these verses, we understand that Paul, as you know to be a very intelligent and well-educated man, that Paul, preaching such a message, would indeed expect to be held in contempt by certain Jews who would stumble over the truth of Jesus as the Christ. And Paul, uh, who was lacking no credential uh, among uh, those that were academically uh, trained, uh, would nonetheless, by preaching the truth of Christ crucified, he would be perceived as being rather off his mental rocker, as they say. Do you get the idea Paul don't care? Do you get the idea that Paul is bold to say, I know how some people react to the truth of Christ over here. I know how some people react to the truth of Christ over there. But as for me, I'm going to preach Christ crucified. Would you have a pastor? Would you have a pastor that was ashamed to preach the truth of Christ? crucified. Shouldn't we all be a congregation that is bold to preach together the truth of Christ crucified? And is not the Lord's own design at the table of the Lord that we should eat of this bread and drink of this cup that we might show the Lord as crucified for our sins in the whole. This is our preaching moment to bring the truth of Christ to the forefront so that we might in our personal interactions understand that there's always been significant community push back to the truth of Christ as crucified. Oh well, oh well, it is the truth. And by the grace of God, as those who have been called by God's effectual call, unto salvation, we know, we know that this is the very core truth of the power of God revealed. We know 
that this is the core truth, the gospel truth of the wisdom of God revealed. And so with humility and joy, we prepare ourselves to preach together the truth, Christ crucified. Father, help us then in this morning hour to prepare our hearts and minds for enthusiastic eating and joyful drinking of the elements prescribed for the clear testimony of a crucified Christ. Who would have thought of this but thee? That your own son would take on flesh, would live among men without sin, and would die for our sins in substitution. Oh God, what a wonderful thing to know. What a wonderful thing to embrace. What a wonderful thing to preach together at the table of our Lord. Help us then to do so with boldness and gladness as a congregation in this place at this time for thy glory. We pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.